together. What a fun time of year it is. You know, I was uh, thinking uh, this morning as I was coming down the stairs and just kind of looking around the building, and um, I just wanted to tell you uh, so many incredible volunteers worked a whole lot of hours this week to transform our upper hallway and our upper lobbies and lower lobbies, and, and they do that because um, they want this to be a place that's incredible for you, uh, if you have family, if you have kids, and also for all of our friends in the community. And so a huge thank you to all of our volunteers who just poured in a ton of hours yet again this week. So we're super grateful for them. Yeah, you can clap for them all the time. I also just um, want to encourage you to be inviting. What a great time of year. You know, a lot of people are open to an invitation to learn more about Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you, be, be bold with your invitations uh, this time of year. Um, I want to give you an update before we dive into things this morning um, about something that we talked about a few weeks ago as we celebrated our For the City initiative. Um, many of you know our For the City initiative, that three-year period really set us up to do a couple of things as we desire to further the mission of Jesus Christ right here in Omaha and in the surrounding area in our city. Um, number one, because of the generosity of so many of you, we were able to, to pay for and to build the care center. Just to the east of this room is our care center. If you're newer to Brookside, that provides clothing for kids in the foster care system and now even beyond that. And so we are just super thrilled to be able to meet a very practical need right here in our own city and just to see how God's using that nearly a thousand kids have been outfitted by that in just the first year of operation, so that's incredible. But the second really fun thing that you guys uh, really donated towards and said, you know what, we want to put our efforts to save towards the launching of a second campus right here in Omaha. You know, we look at our city, and we know that there are a whole lot of people that don't know Jesus Christ. And so we say, wow, we want to multiply ourselves. We want to continue to reach more and more people for Christ and do our part in that, in, in reaching the city, if God would have that for us. Us. And so over the course of these three years, we saw several doors open and several doors close as well. We looked at land, we looked at properties, we looked in all directions around our city. Then as we approached Celebration Weekend, just a couple of weeks ago, that very week, uh, we saw several things line up pretty quickly in what seems as though it might really be an open door from God for us. We found out about a church building, and, and just even how we found out about it is just a fun story. But we found out about a church building that had just gone on the market. It was on the corner, it's on the corner of 204th and Maple Street. Uh, if you know anything about that location, that location is incredibly strategic for the gospel. That's a very, uh, it's a heavy, a um, lot of traffic goes up and down that street is what I'm trying to say. And it's also in a very uh, growth, um, the, the area, that area of the city is growing rapidly. Uh, so we looked at that and we go, wow, that could be strategic uh, for this church to really take the gospel and continue to reach more and more people. So our elder board met. We then took several tours of the building. And then the week of Thanksgiving, so this is like less than 48 hours after our celebration of this three-year initiative, uh, we put an offer in on that building. Uh, the, same, uh, the same week, actually the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was really fun, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, we found out that that offer had been accepted. And so super, yeah, super exciting, you know, and, um, you know, what a process, uh, what a process that we're in. And I want to just kind of tell you where we're currently at. So that offer is really contingent on two things. Number one, it's contingent on their congregation voting on that and approving that on December 9th. Um, then it will go to our congregation to have a vote, and our membership uh, will, uh, will have a vote on purchasing that property, and then we'll enter into the due diligence process and all the different things that you work through. So I wanted just to tell you this morning, uh, be looking for us to be communicating uh, with you, probably through, through email, and what we're going to be communicating is if we have a need for a special congregational meeting, uh, you'll be hearing about the date and the time and all of those things as be, they become clear to us. 
But my request of you today is, is simply this, and I, I, I really ask you to do this. Um, would you just simply pray? Um, you know, we, uh, as we think about this and as we think about all the things that God has entrusted Brookside to steward, <clears throat> sorry, um, I would just ask you, would you go before the Lord and really pray? Um, we want to follow the plans of God. We don't want to be a step ahead of him, and we surely don't want to be a step behind him. And so would you pray for, for clarity in the coming days, particularly the next 10 to 14 days, that God would just make it crystal clear. You know, one of our values as a staff, and I love this value because it pushes us in a good way. One of our values as a staff is what we call bold dependence. And we have that goal, we have that value because it reminds us, okay, we want to be taking bold steps for the kingdom of God because that's what God entrusts to us, his people, the church. But we also want to be acting in not only faith, but we also want to be acting in wisdom. And so would you pray that God would lead us? Again, we want to be exactly where God wants us to be, but we desperately do not want to be where he doesn't want us to be, if you know what I mean. Um, uh, One morning this week, Christina reminded me, she said, she said, just remember that verse, God opposes the proud, those who just say, oh, this is my plan, I got this all figured out, but God gives grace to the humble. And so what I'm asking you to do is, would you join us, our staff and our elders, and let's go before the Lord and say, Lord, we humbly just want to come before you and say, Lord, what's your direction for us? Lord, would you have us be a multiplying church in this area of the city? And if so, Lord, we want to lean into that and embrace your, your, your vision for that. Um, I woke up one morning this, this week and I've uh, been doing that a lot with this on my mind. And, and so I went downstairs and I was, started doing my 365 reading and I got what I felt like was just a gift from God. It was just a, a reminder, and I want to share this verse with you, and I want it to really direct us even as we pray uh, together here in just a second. Um, but this is from Philippians uh, chapter 4, and I love this. The Apostle Paul, uh, right before he gets to verse 6, which I want to show you, right before that he says, hey, I want you, everybody, he's saying, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. Like if, if you're redeemed, like if, you've, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, that should cause you, it should cause me to rejoice in the Lord, right? Um, Then he goes on to say this, but do not be anxious about anything. Like, remember, God has you. God knows the future. You can be confident of that. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every single situation, in every situation, by here it is, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then verse 7, and this is so cool. This is such great news. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it will, powerful word, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to do right now is just, would you pray with me? And let's just embrace that. Let's just go before the Lord and say, Lord, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Lord, we just present boldly our request to you. So would you, would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, first and foremost, Lord, for Jesus Christ, the one that all, allows us to be changed, the one that allows us to know you, to experience your love and your grace and salvation through your son. And Lord, we want to say to you in this kind of a big moment for us as a church, we want to say at this point, Lord, you have given us so much to steward and we want to steward it so well. And so Father, we just pray you direct us. God, we pray for these next 10 to 14 days, Lord, that Father, we would just be in step with right where you want us to be. So would you open, would you close, would you do anything, Lord, that is just in line with your will is where we want to be is what we're saying. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And so, Lord, we want to be where you are. That's our prayer, Lord.
And now this morning, Lord, as we now turn our attention to your word, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. God, we pray. I pray for the person that's maybe here and they don't know who Jesus Christ is. Lord, I pray that the message of Jesus becomes so clear to them today that they would reach out and they would say, yes, I want the gift of salvation through Jesus. I pray for the person that's here today and maybe they just need to be reminded of a truth that they've forgotten. I pray for the person that's here today and they're maybe lonely or confused or they just need to be encouraged this morning. Lord, I pray that you would do that for them. Lord, we long for you to speak to us now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, this semester, um, as many of you know, we've been going through the New Testament book of Luke. And uh, we started that series. And, and when we started it, you might have noticed we skipped some of the first chapters. And we did that intentionally because we knew this time of year we would come back to those chapters. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at not the chapters around necessarily the birth of Jesus Christ, but we're going to look at the, some of the scriptures that are around the birth of someone who would point the way to Jesus Christ, someone who would be very key in, in making known, hey, something is about to happen that is so incredibly important. That person's name is John. And this morning, we're going to look at the story of Elizabeth, but even more specifically, we're going to look at the story of Zechariah. Uh, his father. So Elizabeth was his mom, Zechariah is his father, and that's where we're going to land today. And, you know, as I studied for this and as I thought about this week, I thought, you know what, there, there couldn't have been maybe a, a more important topic for us to land on this week, I feel like, um, in the life of us as individuals, but also in the life of our church. Um, I heard this when I got into the car uh, the other day, turned on the truck radio, and, and, and this is what the announcement was. It said, it's Christmas season, it was an advertisement, it's Christmas season and there's a lot to do and the stress can be so high. Do you feel that way? This time of year is like that, isn't it? In, in, in many ways, this is the time of year when you feel like the fray of activity is to the flurry of activity, it's just coming fast, right? Oftentimes too, this can be a time of year where honestly people feel very lonely, People maybe feel left out. It can be a tough time. Or there's a lot of family interactions maybe right now. And if they are complicated, those things only come, uh, they, they only get a little more heightened this time of year. This morning's text, though, is going to do this for us. If there was ever a time when we needed to step back, this morning's text will do that. It's going to lead us in the opposite direction. This morning, what we're going to talk about is the power of a pause. The power of what does it look like for us, while things are all going crazy, what does it look like for us to actually stand back and to get right perspective and to be directed in the right way? What I love about our text this morning is this. You're going to get a front row seat to the life of this guy named Zechariah, and he had a defining moment in his life. And I believe you're going to be able to look back on the story as I can now and go, when I think of Zechariah, I think of this defining moment, and this defining moment that he had can be a defining moment that you and I have as well. So if you have your Bible, turn with me now to the book of Luke. We're going to start in chapter 1 this morning in verse, uh, we're going to start in verse 5. We're going to cover a lot of ground this morning. Uh, this text is, uh, it's just filled with some, some really, really good stuff. So starting in verse 5, chapter 1 of the book of Luke. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, uh, uh, Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he, he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and he will be a delight to you and many will rejoice of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And he will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my, well, my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have, I have I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he, he, uh, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And they kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and had taken away my disgrace among the people. Okay. Let's dive into this. Look with me at verse 5. It says, in the, in, the, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea. Now know this, the context surrounding this passage, it is incredibly important. So it says, in the time of this king named Herod. Now this is the Herod that historically you've heard of. He's called, referred to as Herod the Great. And he was called Herod the Great because he built some very great things. He built some very impressive things. But know this, his character was far from impressive. To put it very kindly, he was quite a piece of work. He was a tyrant. He was incredibly vindictive. One historian said it like this, as long as he lived, not a woman's honor was safe and no man's life was secure. And the word on the street was this, that it was actually safer to be one of Herod's pigs than one of his own sons. The bloodshed of the innocent was, innocent was rampant across this man's life and his reign. But we also know this. So we've got this culture that's really struggling. A lot of evil. The leadership was completely evil. So that's a huge negative going on. But we also know that in, in the time of the people of God, there was something else that was also very significant. God had not spoken to his people a fresh word through, through, uh, through the voice of a prophet in over 400 years. 
So imagine this. If you look in your Bible, if you go to the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, and then you flip one book over to the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. So get this. From this point, the last book in the Old Testament, to the first book in the New Testament, just this much distance, there are 400 years when the people of God have gone without a recorded word, fresh word from God. They were longing to hear from God, but they hadn't heard from him in a long, long time, generations. Imagine this. These people were surely wondering things like this. Lord, where are you? Lord, are the the promises that you said to us, all the things in the Old Testament that you said would come true, Lord, are they going to come true? Because here's the thing. They were right in the middle of God's story of redemption. Now, you and I, we we have the rest of the book. We've got the New Testament. We know how the story unfolds and how it will unfold. They didn't. They didn't know how it would unfold. And so they were hungry and they were longing. Hey, Lord, are you done speaking? Lord, are you not going to come through? Lord, are you not faithful on all of the things that you have promised? Let me ask you, have you ever wondered where God is? Have you ever cried out to God and said, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, would you lead me? Lord, I've, I've brought this prayer to you before. God, why aren't you answering it? Have you ever brought a prayer to the Lord so many times that you began to wonder if it was falling on deaf ears? They were surely wondering things like that. Yet know this. In the midst of a time when society was so dark, but also in a time when they hadn't heard a word from God in such a long time, in the midst of that, it's as though God was standing at the, at the light switch and he's about to flick it on because he's about to begin to point them and to make very clear the Messiah is on his way. He's coming. Darkness is about to be taken over by light. And so it says this, in the midst of this horrifying time, Luke 1, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So that's another priestly family then that she's from as well. Verse 6, both of them, get this, they were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now I kind of want to take a time out here. Notice what it says about them. Right in the midst of a very godless time, Right in the midst of a time when when everything was going against the grain of the things of God, there's this couple, and I think we have to notice this in the text, what a compliment. These two in the midst of this society, what are they? They're faithful to the things of God. They, They look at the commands of God and they're seeking with all they can to follow them well. Do you know people like this? You know people that their, their life might get crazy, the job might get changed, the, you know, the family might go off the rails, whatever is going on around them, but it's like they just keep going. Their faith keeps, keeps them steady through it all. Do you know people like this? We admi- I think we need to admire that. I think we need to even say, Lord, make that true of me. But know this as well. While they receive that incredible compliment, and while that was true of them, Their life was far from free of trials. Look with me at verse 7. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And so I picture this couple, you know, they're sitting in their house. Maybe they're, I don't know, sitting in their rocking chairs, and, and they're just recounting the years. And they're thinking about all the time that they've had together and all the time that they've followed God and, and how God has been good to them. 
But I think there was also probably a part of them that as they thought about a huge chunk of their life, there was a hole in their heart because they longed for something that even many of you in this, this room have longed for and you've never seen God bring this to you. They longed to have a child. And that didn't happen for them. It hadn't happened for them. And the text says this, not, were the, not only were they old, but the text says that they were very old. So what we might consider as old would have not been old to them. And so when the text says that they were very old, it's likely that they were very old. And so they looked at this, at their lives now, and they thought about maybe, that, wow, but we didn't have children. We really wanted that. I'm sure that they would have thought, you know what? That ship has sailed a long time ago. Verse 8 says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. Now know this, two times a year, one of these 24 groups of priests would be on duty at the temple. And among that and that group of priests, Zechariah gets chosen to be the one that actually goes into the temple and to perform the duties of the priest. And so then it says, and, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers, they were praying outside. Then, try to picture this, now we're inside the walls of the temple. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. And he was gripped with fear because of this. The presence of an angel showing up like that would have taken him in his mind to the place of divine judgment. And he would have been wondering, oh, no, big deal. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. It's kind of like at ease, at ease. Your prayer has been heard. Have you ever wondered, though, church, have you ever wondered, is my prayer heard? Like when I pray, does God hear me? Does God hear my voice? Does God respond? Does God see me? Does God know me? Verse 13, Zechariah, your wife will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And, and John wasn't going to just be any old son. Matthew's uh, gospel, the gospel book of Matthew says that among men born, this kid would grow up to be the greatest apart from Jesus Christ. Verse 14, he will be a joy and he will be a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Now remember this, they're hungry to hear from God. So these words were a huge deal. He's beginning to wonder, wow, are these things really going to happen? The people are hungry for God to flip on the light and to show his activity. Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. In other words, this son of yours, Zechariah, John, he is going to be set apart for something so special. I've been quiet for 400 years, and you and, and all the people of God, you're longing for the Messiah to come. And what he's saying is, he's coming, he's coming, and your son is actually going to be the one that's going to prepare the way for him. Look at all that he'll accomplish. Verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, 
And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the, uh, the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. In other words, this child is going to hit play on the redemption of so many people. This child is going to hit play on the coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I like how he said it nicer about his wife. (laughs) But you can insert into the story, honestly, right here. You can insert bummer. Because you know what just happened? This angel, Gabriel, appeared to him and said all of these great things, things that he needed to hear. Things that were true, things that would have brought him excitement. But what did he show in that moment? He showed disbelief. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. This is a powerful verse. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. In other words, Zechariah, this is no dream that you had because you ate something you shouldn't have eaten last night. No, this is from God. I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. You won't be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. You know what this is? This is what you call a forced pause. You ever had that happen on your computer where the thing just won't act the way that it should, and so you just have to boom, you have to hit the button, you know what I'm talking about? That's what just happened to Zechariah. Forced pause. The power of a pause, that's a forced pause. I want us to think about this for a minute. I want us to try to imagine what this must have been like for him. Think about, because from this moment on, when that angel appeared to him, for the next nine months, he is not able to speak. Can you imagine that? Nine months. He can't speak. And in addition to that, the text says that he had to make signs to communicate, which tells us that not only can he not speak, but it's also very likely that he can't hear a thing. He's living in a completely quiet world. Now, if you've got young kids, you're like, That sounds like heaven. Like, can I get a slice of that, right? But really, I mean, this would have been incredibly hard. I want us to actually try to feel what this might have been like just for a couple of seconds, really. Here it is. Are you ready? Ready to try this? One, two, three. That was just about 30 seconds. That was painful. Can you imagine nine months of that? Can you imagine living in your head that long? That's what it was like for him. You know, it appears that Zechariah is actually being disciplined in this text for his unbelief. 
But let's think about that. I mean, let's kind of examine what, what that might look like. Like, what's the motive of God behind that? Think about a parent. When I have to discipline my children, my desire isn't for them to stay in the state of being disciplined because that's unpleasant, isn't it? My desire with discipline is that discipline becomes a vehicle to take them to a better place and to a better future. That's what I believe is happening in this text. It's not as though God is just so angry with Zechariah because he, he, he uh, uh, acknowledged that he had some disbelief. No. I think what's happening here is this. He's getting the, he's getting the gift of, a, of, a, of the power of a pause. He's getting the gift of Zechariah because you had unbelief. I just want you to have some time where you actually step out of the fray and you're just silent. And you just get to remember for an actually an extended period of time, you get to remember who I am. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 11 say this, God disciplines us for our own, for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Isn't that true? Later on, though, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and, and peace for those who have been trained by it. I believe this silence dramatically developed Zechariah. But I wonder what went on in his mind. I wonder what did he think about for nine months of complete silence? What was going through his mind? I wonder if he replayed it time and time again when that angel came and, and stood before him, Gabriel, right there in the context. Imagine that right in the temple and, and Gabriel spoke to him. I wonder if it brought a smile to his face, actually, because he was reminded, okay, God is alive and well. My God is alive and well. I wonder if he thought about all the things that as the priest, he had stood before the people and he had communicated the word of God to them. He knew his Old Testament well. And I wonder, though, if for him it was that moment where he said, not only do I believe the things of God, but now I actually feel the things of God. I wonder if he remembered things like from the book of Isaiah, which he would have known so well. I wonder if he would have remembered that the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, talks about the coming of the Messiah. But not just the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, but also that there was going to be one who would prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And holy cow, it's going to be my son. I wonder if he recounted some of the Psalms of King David. I wonder if he was just so encouraged by truth, verses that he knew, like Psalm 27, maybe this is for you this morning, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. In other words, embrace the power of the pause, sit, wait before the Lord. Or this Psalm, Psalm 143 says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all of your works, and I consider what your hands have done. In other words, my perspective has been changed because I meditate, because I think on, because I remember all the promises of the Lord. Have you ever noticed this, that when you take the time to remember, it resets you. Your perspective gets made right. And you go, okay, what used to bother me now, okay, I'm okay now again because I remember truth and, and I remember bigger picture and I remember the promises of God. And I just wonder, in the midst of a culture that pushes you and I to just go faster and it's like a swimmer with, they're just out of breath. They, it's just hard. And you kind of just go, wow, I need to get out of the flurry of activity. I wonder what would happen if you and I, if we just embraced the power of the pause and we went before God and we said, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet before you. 
And I wonder what truth God might want to whisper into some of our lives. I wonder if it'd be verses like, never will I leave you. Some of you need to hear that. But the scriptures say this, never will God leave you. Never will he forsake you. In your greatest joy and in your your darkest, deepest valley. Greater is he who is in you than who is in the world. That's incredible news. I created your inmost being. In other words, I knew you, God says, before the foundations of the earth, and I actually created you how I want you to be, and I know where I want to take you. I am for you. I wonder if God would whisper a truth into some of us, for it is by grace that we have been saved, so quit trying to do it on your own through faith. It's not your own righteousness, but you know what it is? This salvation before God, right standing before God, it is a free gift through Christ. There's such power in the pause because there is such power in remembering. This week at our small group, we asked a a simple question, and um, I just love this group and how they interact together, and And so I asked, throughout the question, I said, hey, how might you have seen the hand of God at work this week? And guess what happened as soon as they asked the question? Quiet. (laughs) And I hate it when it gets, like, quiet, you know, too quiet. And so there, you know, a couple seconds went by, and and then one of the gals piped up, and she said, are we going in any particular order? I said, well, it sounds like you're going first, you know? And so she shared, and she shared how she thought that she had seen the hand of God at work in her life that week. And then, you know, maybe now we're two minutes into it, and, and then somebody else piped up, and they said, well, this is how I think I saw the hand of God at work. And, and then the next person went, and it just kind of kept going. And as I sat there and listened to it, I thought to myself, there is just so much power in the pause. There's so much power in just remembering. There's so much power in just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to remember what you've done. Lord, I'm going to remember where you have taken me. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember the things that you do in my life. There's so much power in that. You know, I got an email this week, and this gal mentioned that she had this, um, that she had picked out her word for 2019, and I was like, oh, I got to pick out my word for 2019, and, and so here it is, remember. I think the Lord wants me just to remember the goodness of God this year. I believe God had in mind all along, Zechariah, I'm going to bless you. Zechariah, I'm going to shut your mouth, and I'm not going to let you hear, because I want you to think about me. And I want you to do that for an extended period of time, because I know that you know the promises of God, but maybe they've just become a little dormant. Have you ever felt that way, like your faith just becomes a little bit stale? I don't know if that was true of Zechariah or not, but I do know this. When he came out of that pause, he was a different man, a completely different man. Back to the story. And then we're going to land on these words that Zechariah says as he breaks the silence. They're such powerful words. They lead us so well. Verse 57, though. It says, when it came time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives, they heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and and they shared her joy. Verse 59. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no. He is to be called John. And they said to her, no, 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 no. There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. I like that they didn't ask the dad first, you know what I'm saying? Verse 63. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. John. 
Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began praising God. Notice this, the text doesn't say that, okay, his mouth was finally opened and he said, whew, thank goodness. Aren't you guys glad to hear my voice finally? That was brutal. Nine months. I'm surprised my tongue even works. He didn't say any of that, did he? What was the first thing out of his mouth? I've reflected on who God is. I've reflected on the faithfulness of my God. What's the first thing that he did? He praised God. It says all the neighbors were 65 were filled with awe throughout the whole country of Judea, and the people were talking about all these things, and everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. So he, now he's going to speak. He's breaking the silence. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. And so he's, he's talking about Jesus here because he has, come, uh, he has come to his people, and he has redeemed them. In other words, there's been this period of 400 years, and it's been silent, but now Israel, now people of God, now Brookside Church, he's saying, hey, the Messiah, though, he's coming, and he's going to redeem us. To redeem simply means this. It means to set free or to pay the price. This week, Christina found one of her journals from when she was in high school, and and she said, we talked for a while about it, she said, man, I was reading through it, and she said, kind of in, in conclusion of our conversation, she said, wow, she goes, from where I was to where God's taken me, she said, that's redemption. So God took me from this pile, this mess, and God brought me over to this place where, wow, I could have a family and a husband, and I could walk with God, and we could have a new legacy and all of that. She said, that's, that's redemption. Some of you have experienced redemption. Verse 69, and he will be raised up a horn of, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us, The picture here is of an army that's being taken captive, but then help arrives and the enemy is defeated. So this, he's been raised up as a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, so think about it, Zechariah, he knows this stuff. He's thinking, hey, I've had time to ponder this. It's coming true. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors to, and to remember the, uh, his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. So he's recounting all of these truths. Verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. He's saying, this is who the Messiah is. What a song of praise. And this in verse 76, he looks at his own son now. And you, he says, my child, that bit is a prideful moment, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Notice how Zechariah sees God. He doesn't see him as this angry God who lashed out to him and made him be silent. No. He looks at God and he says, because of the tender mercy of God, my God has revealed to me again who he is, his goodness, enabling me 
to reflect on that. Because of the tender mercy of my God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. And then kind of this conclusion here, verse 80, and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Notice what Zechariah's response was. His response was one of praise. And I just wonder this morning, in the midst of maybe one of the most busy times in our, our calendar, I wonder what it would be like if we just took time to pause. I wonder what it would be like if we just took time and we said, Lord, I'm going to step away and I just want to sit before you. Lord, are there any truths that you'd like to speak into my life? And let me just say this as your pastor, one of your pastors, the most significant times in my life when God has directed me, they have come from these times of quiet. Whether it's a time when it was just opening the word and reading it and God directing, or the times like maybe I'm out on a walk and I'm struggling with something and I'm saying, hey, Lord, this is an area of my life where I need your help, or what should I do in this relationship, or how should we lead this? And, and it's those times when the Lord loves to whisper into our hearts and into our lives. But know this, those moments do not come on their own. We have to choose those moments. We have to choose the pause. One of my kids said to me this week, Dad, can you make me start working out? I wanted to say, yeah, I can. But I, I thought about it and I thought, no. I mean, I can get you up early. I can buy you weights. I can put you on a team. I can do that. But I can't. Like, I can't do it for you. Like, you, you got to choose it. And I, I love the question, and I love the desire behind the question. I really love the kid. But I thought, wow, I, I, I can't choose that. And it's the same, same way with this. We have to choose this. I remember in college when I started really trying to walk with the Lord, and there were three things that would rise to the top for me that I would say during that period of time were the things that God used most to draw me to himself. Number one, it was this. It was learning how to read this book, number one. Number two, it was finding people that had the, uh, the same desires. But number three, it was this. It was learning to enjoy the presence of God. It was like trying to actively go before him and say, Lord, how do you want to direct me? Lord, what does this look like? Lord, what should I do? Lord, what should we do? And seeking that. And you know what God loves to do? He loves to speak to us. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In other words, when you pause before God, that's where you'll find freedom for your soul. That's where you'll find the goodness of God. And so my challenge to us this morning is pretty simple. In a time of year where you could do everything but do this, my encouragement and my, my question for you this morning is this, will you take the time to enter into the power of the pause? Will you take the time and will you say, Lord, I'm going to pause long enough to remember who you are. You know how if you're married, when you have an anniversary, you usually behave really well around your anniversary because you're remembering the gift of your spouse. You know what I'm saying? You know what Christmas is for Christians? It's like our anniversary. It's like the reminder. It's like, whoa, there's something big happening here. This is the time when we get to pause and we get to remember our Savior came. What incredible news. And so this morning, we're actually going to take communion together. And I'm really excited that we get to do that because that gives us an opportunity to pause. It gives us an opportunity to say, Lord, we remember this morning. We declare this morning, Lord, that you died, that your body was broken 
and that your blood was poured out so that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And so I would encourage you this morning, even as the elements are being passed out now, I would just encourage you, would you go before the Lord and would you just enjoy the pause? And would you just think on the things of God? And then this week, would you enter right back into that? Um, as the elements are going around, you can make sure you grab down, grab two cups. And at Brookside, know this, we have an open communion. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, um, I would encourage you, take communion with us this morning. We would love to celebrate that um, together with you. So I'll come back up then and we'll, we'll take it together in just a few moments.